You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS Sports HQ. He's got a new NHL betting thing coming out. Uh, we'll talk to Todd about that and the Super Bowl. But right now he is the voice of the Calgary Flames on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to our power, Derek Willis. Hey, pal, how are you? Good morning, guys. Thank you for picking the best Bruce Springsteen song to start my day. Okay. Um, you are from the Niagara region, much like myself. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Italian population loves the boss in the Niagara region. Confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to confirm. Is that going to offend somebody? I, like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm not Italian and I, I love the boss. And yeah. I'm from the Niagara region. So, yeah. uh, Jack's sure. Cantina, downtown Niagara Falls there. Oh, uh, I, uh, rocking with the boss. I don't know if they still have the same owners, but, um, I used to know the owners of Jack's uh, uh, because I covered their son when he played junior B hockey. There you go. So uh, they built a new bar because the other one had a mysterious fire. Oh, mysterious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah there, there have been a few of those in Niagara, Niagara Falls over yeah. the years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Mysterious fires in Niagara <laughs> Falls. Hey, new building. Look at that. Hey, at least the insurance yeah. paid yeah, out. Thank goodness. No problem. Ooh, um, uh, Derek, wanted to get your thoughts on your vacation. Uh, you had the nine-day break. No flames for you. You went to a sunny destination. Uh, Maddie was wondering what was your beverage of choice. Uh, pina colada okay. with uh, double Havana Club seven-year. Mm. Look at well, that. Man after my own heart. Did you get a tan on? Oh, yeah. And now it's turning into a little bit of a burn that's peeling. Okay. Um, and mm. I was really careful. I, I'm getting up there, so you got to put the sunscreen on. And, and I, I thought I did a pretty good job of that, but uh, maybe too much beach volleyball for me. Um, <laughs> okay. Shirt or no shirt sure. on? What you, who wears a shirt playing beach volleyball? Oh, I yeah. Well, did you wear jeans like in Top Gun, the original? <laughs> <laughs> no, just okay. just my swimsuit. But okay. uh, no, I, I had a good trip, and uh, actually, I was pleasantly surprised uh, walking into breakfast one morning. Uh, I ran into a colleague. No way, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Get out yes, of here, Weeber, world. who I've I've known for it's two decades now because uh, when I started uh, in the AHL, uh, he was covering the Manitoba Moose when I was calling Hamilton Bulldogs games. So we spent uh, over 10 years working together in that league, and uh, now we're working together in the NHL. So it was cool to, uh, to meet him and, and hang out with him and Stacy. And, uh, yeah, I spent a few days doing that at the end of the trip. So, uh, oh, nice. yeah, it was, it was a good getaway. And I know uh, for the players and the coaches and the staff, uh, it was a much-needed getaway for them, uh, for the players both physically and mentally, and for everybody uh, mentally. Uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride going back to uh, the second round of last season's Stanley Cup playoffs and then the offseason and you know some ups and downs so far this regular season. So, you know, judging uh, on what I saw last night, uh, the guys look like they're uh, fairly refreshed coming out of the break, mm -hmm. which was good to see. I know it's like prisoner in the moment, uh, recency bias, what, whatever cliche you want to use, but that was the best game of the flame season, even oh. though they lost 5-4 in OT, right? Yeah, that was one heck of a hockey game, guys, and a little bit unexpected. Uh, I expected a sloppy game, which we saw at times, but both the Flames and the Rangers hadn't played since January 27th, so uh, a nine-day break between games. And not only that, 
The Flames had one unofficial practice, uh, a captain skate, even though they don't have a captain, and that means no coaches. So it's not like you can work on systems or special teams, just getting the legs moving and the blood flowing, but uh, the Rangers were at home, so I'm guessing they probably had a, a full practice with coaches on the ice, but uh, basically it was uh, a morning skate and then dive headfirst into that hockey game, and uh, things got nasty early, which I didn't expect. Uh, first game of the season between the two teams. Hadn't played since two games pretty early last season, and maybe there was a bit of bad blood that carried over from last year's season series because the Flames absolutely spanked Igor Shosturkin and the Rangers winning 11-1 to in those two games, probably the worst games that Shosturkin, who wound up winning the Vezina Trophy, played all season long. But he didn't play last night. It was Yaroslav Halak who wound up stretching his winning streak to six games. And you know, poor Jacob Markstrom, he finally got some run support, and uh, four wasn't enough last night. But uh, yeah, great hockey game with uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, I thought the referees at times, with what they called and didn't call, poured a little bit of fuel on the fire, which normally would annoy me, but with the way last night's game wound up going, uh, I actually think that was a blessing in disguise. You know, two of the biggest open ice hits that I've seen in a long time thrown by Jacob Truba, and just so glad that both Dylan Dubé and to uh, an even greater extent, Nazem Kadri got up and were able to continue playing in the hockey game. And, you know, two fights, uh, nine goals. Uh, last night was awesome. I-, I wish there was more games played with the type of passion that last night's was played with. Yeah, and I think across, uh, you know, across a lot of the landscape, I think a lot of people believe that those hits were clean. The the two by Truba, the one by Sammy Blay, I'm interested for your take and how the Flames responded and, and how they didn't even respond to the moment, but how they responded throughout the rest of the game and they were able to stand up for each other and kind of answer the bell with that physicality. You know what, guys? For me, Jacob Truba is almost the modern-day Scott Stevens. Don't you think? I mean, the game is played differently now than it was then, but he used to to get guys the same way Truba's getting guys. Steven's hits were, I would say, a little bit more devastating than Truba's, although his hit on Kadri last night uh, was something. Uh, but I, I don't think they were dirty. I don't. Uh, and he's one of those guys, you love him if he plays for your team, you hate him if he doesn't, and I think every team wants to have as many of those guys as they can. And, and it's funny with Truba because... I don't remember him playing this way when he was with the Jets. He's evolved into this type of player uh, as a member of the Rangers, probably one of the reasons why they named him the 28th captain in franchise history back in August. But I thought his hits were clean. I had a bigger issue with the Sammy Blay hit on Milan Lucic. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a blindside hit. What I really didn't like were the officials giving Lucic a penalty after he went over and had a little chat with Blay. Nothing really happened. And then the other thing I had an issue with last night was uh, the instigator penalty. It's almost impossible to get one of those these days. And the Flames took one and basically took two because when Chris Tanev went to stand up for a teammate, he didn't initiate that fight but wound up getting a roughing penalty. So I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but uh, I didn't have an issue with the Truba hits. I'm just glad that both Dubé and, and Kadri were okay. More of an issue with the Blay hit. So I uh, was surprised that one didn't uh, didn't draw a penalty. I know in today's NHL, Derek, obviously uh, speed and skill are, are paramount, and that's where the entire league is going. But if I'm a guy coming up or if I'm a draft pick and I want to make an impact on the NHL, 
you know, Tom Wilson's the same guy. Yeah, I know a lot of th- stuff he's done has been borderline dirty, and some plays have been dirty. But when you look at guys like Truba, like teams are dying for guys like that now. Yeah. Like if you're a borderline skill guy who's got some size, why not use some of your physicality? It'll get you into the NHL. You'll play a regular role. And as you mentioned, Jacob Truba has completely changed his career where the Rangers gave him the C based on his physicality. Do you see more up and coming guys who maybe aren't as good skill wise to say, Hey, I'm going to add this component of this game because we just don't see it that much anymore in the NHL. We don't. And the game really has changed in so many ways. And one of the biggest changes for me, fellas, is that most of the guys are buddies off the ice. And that didn't used to be the case. You know, we're so lucky here in Calgary that so many former Flames have stayed here and built a life here. And when I think about uh, the Flames alumni, which, uh, and I may be biased, but I, I get to see the work they do day in, day out. I think it's the best alumni association in the NHL. But talking to those guys, especially the ones who were a big part of the Battle of Alberta in the 1980s and to a lesser extent, the, the 1990s, they legitimately still hate those Oilers players. Like, legitimately. Now, guys, ah, oh, they hang out together in the All-Star break. They hang out together in the offseason. So, you know, it's just changed in that sense. As far as big guys trying to play the way that Jacob Truba plays, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of them. In the NHL uh, and even in lower leagues, the AHL, ECHL, uh, junior college, who, who want to be able to, to be that physical force. But it takes more than just size. It takes skill. And Truba is a skilled player. He always has been. But the, the fact that he's a big guy and has the skill to, to be able to throw those body checks because the game is so fast that if, if you don't time it right, you're going to miss and look like an idiot. But, you know, he's got the size and he's got the skill so he can play that type of game. But you're right. Uh, players like that, they become a little bit like the dodo egg. They're just so hard to find. And that's why when you see open ice body checks like that, uh, they, they make the highlight reels. When in the past, that used to be a pretty regular occurrence. Uh, nowadays, it feels like there's maybe 10 or 12 of those in the league in an entire season. I know we've seen Zadorov throw the body occasionally with some yeah. big hits. Like if I'm Zadorov watching Truba last night, does it kind of set off something in me going, maybe I should try to be even more physical than I am? And I'm not saying throw yourself out of positions. And obviously, he's a guy who's playing on the bottom pair. But if I'm Zadorov, I can look at Truba and go, I can play that game on this team right now. And I think he does play that game, George. Uh, you, you just have to be careful because you don't want to put yourself out of position. And it's you don't definitely want to be a skill. Body checks. It's absolutely yeah. a skill that can be learned. And Truba is kind of the prime example of that. Yeah, and, and I do think that Nikita Zadorov probably throws uh, as many big body checks as any player in the league. Leads the Flames in hits, and he's such a mammoth man at 6'6", 248, if I'm not mistaken, that when he gets you, uh, it's not going to go well. And it's going to to look really good on television and, and hopefully sound really good on the radio. But, you know, there, uh, there aren't a lot of players like that. And the Rangers are lucky to have one in Truba, and the Flames are lucky to have one in Zadorov. And, you know, I think about last night's game. Uh, I didn't want Nikita running around trying to do anything else because I thought he was running around enough to begin with. It was a tough night for him. But, you know, on uh, most nights, Zadorov uh, is a guy that kind of stays within himself, lets the game come to him. And when those hits come to him, uh, he usually takes them. Wanted to ask you about uh, 
I didn't uh, I didn't catch the post game show yesterday, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say the hardest working player played on the Backlund line yesterday. And I just wanted to give some props to Backlund and Blake Coleman and Manjapani as well. Blake Coleman scores a goal there, six goal in, against the Rangers in 15 games played. Loves playing against the Rangers. Just a thought on that line and what they did. Wow, that line has been the Flames' best line since they were reunited and probably haven't been rewarded as much offensively as they've deserved to be. But yeah, Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane, and Blake Coleman were really good again last night. It feels to me, guys, or it looks to me, guys, like Blake Coleman has taken a massive step forward in the last three, four weeks. Uh, I thought his game was looking a little stale and uh, I was told that the coaches sat him down and, and showed him some clips and said... Here's what you look like when you're at your best. And ever since that little meeting, uh, he's been playing much better hockey. And you know, last night, I thought he was arguably the Flames' best winger. And you know, it's funny, when Dylan Dubé spent 17 minutes in the penalty box late in the second period and throughout most of the third period, it was actually Milan Lucic who got a promotion. Uh, I thought Blake Coleman was the Flames' best winger last night. And I would have uh, liked to have seen him get uh, a few more minutes. But... Uh, that line has been really, really good for the Flames. Uh, they're good without the puck and defensively, and uh, they've been good with the puck and offensively. And it's good to see Andrew Mangiapane starting to get rewarded. Uh, I didn't love his game for a good chunk of the season, but then he started playing really well, and the puck just wouldn't go in the net for him. Now it's starting to go in the net for him, and I think that's a really positive sign for him in that line and for the team as we head down the stretch here because the Flames on a lot of nights, last night wasn't one of them, but on a lot of nights, haven't scored enough. So when you've got a guy in Manjapani who scored 35 last season and then signed a big contract and uh, isn't going to get to 35 again this season, if he could get to 25, he's going to help the Flames win some hockey games down the stretch. So that line has been the best line, and uh, I give those three guys a lot of credit. They were good together last season, and they've been really good again this season. Um, Derek, with that shot we saw from Tyler Toffoli last night, like, he's got to be on the number one power play unit. I know they mix things up, and it's based on who was on at the time. But God bless Jacob Peltier, and, they, and they're giving him a big-time look here, being in the top six, giving him that number one power play time last night. But we saw it, he scored on the second unit. He, he's got to be on the offside on the number one power play, right? Like, that's that's what we got to do, because arguably, and Maddie and I talked about this uh, this morning, he's been the Flames' most consistent winger the entire season. Well, let me ask you this. What was the Flames' number one power play unit last night? Because well, I would label they, them 1A and 1B with sure. the changes they made. But that Peltier unit started the first power play at both times last night. Yeah, it, it, it for me was interesting that the Flames, 51 games into the regular season, finally decided to, to change up their power play unit coming out of a break where they couldn't practice. But I'm guessing that Kirk Muller, the associate coach who's in charge of the power play, probably during his quote-unquote break, spent a lot of time watching uh, the team and, and watching the power play and decided that it was time to make a change. And they certainly gave that first unit, uh, which has been together since the start of the season with Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, Tyler Toffoli, and Rasmus Anderson, a lot of time to build some chemistry together. And I don't know about you guys, but when I look at those five guys on paper, I see what should be an elite power play. But they've been good at times, but not good consistently and, and not dangerous consistently. And sometimes it goes beyond just scoring on the power play. If you're not going to score, you've at least got to spend some time in the offensive zone and get some chances. And 
generate some momentum and and they haven't done that on enough nights I would say so I thought it was a bold move uh, changing up the power play units without uh, any practice time to uh, allow them to figure out timing and chemistry but uh, I thought the power plays looked pretty good last night and you know the the schedule this week will allow the Flames to practice uh, for a couple of days in Detroit before they play the Red Wings on Thursday so uh, kind of a jumping off point uh, putting those two new units together last night and Looked pretty good. Probably caught the Rangers off guard as well. You know, the Rangers in their pre-scout, uh, I'm sure, weren't expecting the Flames to break up that first power play unit because it's been together the whole season. And the second unit, there's been some changes on that. But, you know, it's been pretty consistent of late as well. So a uh, bit of a monkey wrench for the Rangers last night. But uh, as far as Tyler Toffoli is concerned, I think what they're doing is just trying to have two power play units that are, that are a little bit more balanced than uh, the one where they kind of put all their eggs into one basket. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if they stick with those two units going into to Thursday's game. But uh, I kind of like the, the new look mm-hmm. last night. I don't know about you guys, but uh, they got a power play goal, and that's Daryl Sutter's goal, get one power play goal per game. Yeah, um, very interesting and interested to see what that's going to look like, as you mentioned, uh, Thursday night in Detroit. He is the voice of the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet 960, uh, the peeling but tanned, Derek Wills. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Thanks for this. <laughs> All right, guys. Good to talk to you again. Uh, there's Derek Wills on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. That's a secret. Uh, dine at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery 403-248-3344. Straight ahead. Um, you need some help with Super Bowl betting? Are you new to maybe wanting to put a little sprinkle down? Yes and no. On the Super Bowl? Do you need help on maybe some some tips, some advice? What if you want to have your own little pool at home? What if you want to do some squares? What if I want it above ground or below ground? Those are the questions. Do I want a kiddie pool? What type of pool do I want? You got to go below ground pool. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. That's the only way to go. You got to go. Above, above ground is like, okay, it's like, that's like when you get the Diet Coke with the Big Mac no, but, combo. But like, what like are we doing here, kids, guys? You go probably above ground because it's just I got, easier. If I got little kids, I go kiddie pool. And if you want to go to the pool, I'll take you to the pool. I'm okay. not paying to maintain a pool. Okay. All right. This is, this seems like a contentious issue with you. You ever even own a pool? You live, no, even though you live in an apartment. A lot of work. Okay. Um, no, I never had a pool growing up. That's why we went to, uh, that's why when somebody has a pool, even now, I'm in it all day because I never had a pool growing up. Yeah, we, we were. Similar. There was a, a neighbor who had a pool. Yeah, that so was, you're in the pool fun. all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even when he wasn't there. You no, know, we, we, well, we, we couldn't bef- do that. We befriended his parents yeah. to the extent that we were allowed to go drink when and, he wasn't in the... He and, he always, and he always said, no, no, the pool's warm. It's 80. Or like, okay, it was 80 the first two inches, <laughs> and then the rest was like 65. <laughs> even a penguin would walk in and go, no thanks. Hard pass. A little cold. That won't do it for me. But again, when you're a kid, you don't care. You're in the pool all day because I never had one growing up. Um, straight ahead, Todd Furman, host of the Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS Sports HQ. He's going to have a hockey betting thing that's coming out. We'll talk to Todd about that, help you out with the Super Bowl. One more segment to go of us before we hand things over to Patrick. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. See, Alex? That was a good radio-sounding song, no? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So you have, I'm going to entrust you with 
the music again tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the potpourri of selections that you're going to have. It's got to be all new songs that we've not heard before. Okay, great. It's a lot awesome. of pressure. Uh, awesome. Um, right now, though, on the line, Super Bowl 57, Eagles, Chiefs, this Sunday. If you want to dip your toe into maybe putting down a better to our man Todd Furman, you hear him Sunday mornings along the Sportsnet Radio Network, host of the Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS Sports HQ. And he's got a new project coming up with the NHL, which we'll get to later on in the show. Todd, good morning. Thanks for this. How are you? I'm doing well this morning, boys. How are you guys holding up? Uh, we're good. Uh, we're in that, that 5-4 overtime loss last night uh, by the Calgary Flames uh, to the New York Rangers. Uh, we're talking about fights and hits. It was a little old-school hockey. Did you catch the game last night at all? I did, and I think Flames fans have to come out of there a little bit more optimistic with the fight they saw racing that 3-2 deficit going into the third. I'm not sure that that was actually a goal from Andrew Mangiapane that looked like it was kicked in more than anything else. But, of course, the big news coming out, as you guys know, the status of Chris Tanev. Let's see how that shoulder injury is. Was surprised to see him getting into a dust-up, knowing that that upper body was far from 100%. And, and again, just using his left arm, Todd, uh, he was not punching once uh, with his right arm. was just exclusively punching uh, with the left. What, what's your take on, on the Flames' chances here uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs real quick uh, before we dive into uh, Super Bowl and NFL talk? Uh, is If they get into the top three into the Pacific, do you like their chances moving on? Because your beloved Golden Knights seems like they're fading super hard and now with the news that Mark Stone potentially won't be back until the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think anybody's a really big believer in the Los Angeles Kings. The Kraken look like a good, young, really fast team, and it feels like the Oilers are going to play their way into a top three spot. How do you think this Pacific division is going to shake its way out? I mean, the biggest question that I think Flames fans have is how their goaltending will look over the next 30 games. Jacob Markstrom has looked anything but the Vezina contender that we saw for extended stretches of the regular season last year. Thankfully for them, Dan Vladar has stepped in, and we'll see exactly what that workload is going forward, how Coach Shutter decides to split time between the two. From an underlying metric standpoint, this Flames team has been a heck of a lot better than the wins and losses suggest. One of the top teams in the league from a net expected goals differential uh, over the last 10-game stretch, but sometimes you have to translate those opportunities into actual goals. We saw glimpses of how good they could be uh, against the Seattle Kraken before they went on the all-star break of sorts. And you mentioned the Pacific, George. I mean, I bet the Knights and Kings both to miss the playoff, albeit at pretty aggressive prices uh, a couple of days ago, knowing that most likely one of those two teams will get in. But the Kings clearly look a little bit better in the standings, given that they've played a few more games than other teams. And you mentioned the injury to Mark Stone. The Knights just haven't been able to generate chances in front. There are no greasy goals to come by. And when you want to skate on the perimeter and when you're in a playoff race, we know that doesn't exactly pay dividends. So it wouldn't shock me at all if we were talking about the Kraken and Oilers fighting for first in the Pacific, the Flames working their way into that third spot, and the Kings and Knights relegated to wildcard opportunities. Well, uh, again, we want to talk about the Super Bowl, but uh, we might as well do this now. You have a new project coming out uh, with the NHL Network on their uh, YouTube page. Uh, just talk about what's coming up uh, with uh, if people want to know and get your take on the NHL and to potentially place a bet. Yeah, I mean, I know hockey is always front of mind uh, in the province of Alberta, but for folks stateside, we figured this was the perfect window as football winds down and people are looking to put their wagering dollars to good work. 
that they should learn a little bit more about the NHL and some of the opportunities uh, it offers up on a night-to-night basis. So today will actually be the first episode of our puck line show that you mentioned every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll see if we expand the footprint a little bit more based on how it's received. Myself and Lauren Jabara, who does a lot of work with the Atlanta Hawks, but has an extensive background as a former sideline reporter with the Colorado Avalanche. So it'll be a quick high-level look, about 15 to 20-minute shows, previewing a couple of the most bettable opportunities on some of the biggest slates. And today we'll delve into a little bit of the futures market as well, trying to figure out where there could be some opportunity to identify a potential Stanley Cup champion lurking Mm. in the wings. Uh, Awesome stuff. Definitely. uh, We'll check that out on the NHL's uh, YouTube uh, page. All right, Todd, uh, Super Bowl 57, Eagles and Chiefs. Um, what would what's some advice you would give to somebody who's actually going to jump into the prop market for the first time uh, when it comes to betting the Super Bowl? Because obviously uh, it's a little overwhelming with the amount of props that are available now on the Super Bowl. What advice would you give to somebody jumping into the prop market for the first time? The simplest and most overarching sentiment for me when it comes to props is to stay away from a lot of the long shots that are out there. And when I say that, I mean, look at the props that have one of two outcomes, essentially an over under on individual players, yardage totals, receptions, completions, attempts, those sort of things, more so than trying to catch lightning in a bottle or needle in a haystack, depending on what cliche you want to use with the aggressive prices that are out there on the first touchdown score, the last touchdown score, Don't get me wrong, there's usually an avenue to try and exploit some of those markets, uh, but more often than not, books are holding a significantly higher percentage, means that they're not paying out nearly as much. So rather than trying to put up a little bit to make a lot if you want to be entertained from start to finish, look for a prop bet that offers two outcomes. Try and figure out which side you're strongest on and know that that's the best way to try and match wits with the sports books as far as that extensive Super Bowl prop menu is concerned. So, Todd, the line started at uh, minus two for the Eagles. Right now it's minus one and a half. It got as low as minus two and a half. Are there any variables you might be tracking that could see this line change at all before we get to Sunday? I think the biggest question that we're all watching and have to imagine they're going to play would be the injury status around Kadarius Toney, receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Juju Smith-Schuster as well. We saw the Chiefs put McCole Hardman on IR, which essentially ended his season with one game to go, allowing them to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire into the mix. So we'll see if they want to elect to run the football a bit more with Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, and of course Isaiah Pacheco, who's taken over as the true number one running back. But aside from that, I mean, this number has going to be one of the most efficient that you'll see, not just in the NFL, but in betting markets across the world, maybe the World Cup final, take bigger bets. Uh, But odds makers feel pretty confident that they can take seven figures, whether it's on the Chiefs or the Eagles in this spot. And I think the other aspect of the handicap that's so fascinating is trying to figure out the strength of schedule for Philadelphia. 31st of 32 teams in the NFL haven't played a quarterback cut from this cloth by any stretch of the imagination over the last six, eight games. And when you look at Jalen Hurts and how the Eagles have performed this year, their numbers significantly better from an offensive efficiency standpoint when they're playing with a lead. Will this team be able to battle from behind if it's the Kansas City Chiefs getting off to a fast start, knowing that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have been here, done that, while Nick Sirianni makes his Super Bowl coaching debut? We've seen the Eagles win their last two games by 21 or more points. And in this game, we're seeing the total way up 50 and a half. I I doubt that we're going to see a disparity of 21 points in in this one. But uh, how do you see this game hitting the over? Because the under's been, uh, it's been paying really well this season. 
Yeah, I mean, talk about uh, blindly betting the unders. You would have put a quite profitable season on the books. Uh, a lot of people were slightly confused with the way we saw a scoring bonanza of sorts during Wild Card Weekend with those games going 5-1 and one over the total. But over the last six playoff games, we've seen a regression to the mean and essentially more of the microcosm that we've endured for the entire 2022-2023 season. But it's been a real battle as far as the total is concerned. Some books opened as low as 49.5. You did see a very influential group come in yesterday and bet the game over the total at 50.5. 51, for those unfamiliar with the NFL markets, a very key number uh, as far as totals are concerned. And I think when you look at these two offenses, they're definitely past the success. But if you're making a case for Philly in this particular spot, you may be more inclined to back the under, thinking that they can grind out a result, that they'll put together long, time-consuming drives. And when you're also incorporating past Super Bowls, the last four have come in under the total, but the last time we've seen five straight games come in under the expected points way back in 1968 to 74. I know George was around for that bevy. No, of games, no, he wasn't. Was probably <laughs> no, I wasn't even an embryo then, Todd. <laughs> You know, George, whatever you want to tell yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, buddy, uh, we'll, 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 we'll play nice here because yeah. it is your radio show and not yeah. mine, of course. Uh, no, again, I wish. Um, the uh, legendary Steve Rapp was definitely around for there, uh, my uh, former co-host on Inside the Lines. I think he already had three kids by then when those Super Bowls uh, were, were on uh, the radio. Todd Furman, uh, the Bet the Board podcast analyst for CBS Sports HQ, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar Guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Okay, Todd, uh, one of the most polarizing things, uh, the national anthem. Chris Stapleton singing it, and we know a lot of books go by the first note sung to the final note sung. Is this something that you could potentially get an edge on if you do your homework, if things leak out? How should people approach betting the national anthem? Oh, 100%. This is a bet that you don't go into blindly. The only time you're entering this market is if you feel you get perfect information uh, and you can kind of chase the steam before the market really starts to take off. When you look at not only the national anthem, but the song set for Rihanna at halftime, even the color of Gatorade is a little bit more tenuous, but you can oftentimes get people that know what's on each sideline, factor that into the handicap. That's what makes some of these markets so intriguing. Now, here stateside, and I can't speak from province to province up there, not every book will actually offer the length of the national anthem. They'll tie it into some other exotic bets, mainly because they are worried about perfect information getting out there. And if you happen to have a deep Rolodex of people in the country music industry, like I'm sure a lot of folks do in Calgary, you make a call to somebody in Chris Stapleton's camp, tell them to hold a note a little bit longer, and make sure you have a pretty good <laughs> idea of exactly what the backtrack will be in terms of length to allow you to walk to the window with the kind of confidence you don't get in any other betting market throughout the course of the calendar year. Yeah, because clearly brave is the key word, I think, in the national anthem, how long they hit that word brave uh, at the end. Uh, where are you at with the coin flip, Todd, and the Gatorade bath? Because clearly blue is the best tasting Gatorade right now. It's not about taste. It's about what's going to be available on these two sidelines. And every team has a slight preference. Have to do a little bit more digging into Gatorade. Don't want to tip my hand there yet without any information. But this will sound ridiculous, guys, uh, but I'll share this nugget anyways. We have seen a tendency over the last couple Super Bowls for tails to come up more frequently than heads. And while normally you're operating under the assumption that it's a 50-50 proposition, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this. There are guys that have gone out there and weighed these ceremonial coins that say there should be a little bit of a bias 
two tails because of the way that the NFL has gone about doing these things. So if you're looking to gain a slight edge, and again, this is a novelty bet more than anything else, but you have access to laying minus 101 both ways. Uh, look to try and bet tails, but even better yet, if you're going to be around people, friends and family that are hosting a Super Bowl party, better off taking them on a true 50-50 proposition. Give them heads, take tails, and maybe you can give yourself a slight edge. See? There you go. That is tremendous information. The best. Yeah, it is absolutely the best. Um, when, you, when you're having a Super Bowl party, Todd, does it just make it a lot fun if you have a little prop sheet for everybody to go in on? Just just makes things a lot more interesting. Always. I encourage people to do that. And I'm not sure if we're going to do a bet the board prop sheet. We've done in the past with about 15 props, 10 football specific, five with entertainment to try and get people involved from the moment the telecast starts and carry them deep into the fourth quarter with what team will get the last score. But I think there are always great ways to get people that may not watch football on a week-in, week-out basis involved in the game. I know a lot of people will become enamored with the commercials, and rightfully so, when these major Fortune 500 companies are spending $7 million for 30-second spots. You'd hope there's some creativity uh, and some enjoyable moments there. But there are so many ways to enjoy the Super Bowl, even if you're not a football fan during the course of the year. Uh, it's a great showpiece as much as anything else you know, and the two best teams that we're going to be treated to come Sunday get to go out there and battle for the Lombardi Trophy. I remember when uh, there was the halftime show with Kendrick Lamar, there were all sorts of bets as to who was going to be the special guests on stage. Do you like any of the entertainment props for uh, Rihanna's halftime show? You know, some of the Rihanna numbers took off relatively quickly. It's not a market, honestly, that I've ever done a ton with. It's kind of focused a little bit more on the anthem. Uh, and a few years ago when there was a, a little bit of a discrepancy in terms of what Coldplay's first song was during their halftime set and how various offshore books elected to grade that prop, uh, I've kind of shied away from it. And I know the anthem prop isn't exactly black and white either. You can sit there with your stopwatch, your Apple Watch, or anything else to kind of time it out. That's the market that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Uh, more so than some of the halftime sets, unless you get a clear distinction in terms of what the artist is going to elect to play. Um, Todd, where are you at with Travis Kelsey props? Obviously, he's been just a complete and total monster this postseason. Uh, it feels like the numbers, I see six and a half out there uh, receptions. Is there anything you don't like, Travis Kelsey? Clearly the number one option for the Chiefs. Clearly the guy that the Eagles want to stop, but that was the plan uh, for the Jags. Uh, that was the plan for the Bengals, yet he continues to get open on a game-in, game-out basis. What's your take on the Travis Kelsey props for Sunday? This is a market that professional bettors actually got out ahead of. They were willing to go over 6.5, knowing that the price and the traffic was only going to go one way. When you look at Travis Kelsey, second or tied for second in postseason history in catches, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and 100-yard receiving games, trails Jerry Rice in each of those categories. 15 receiving touchdowns and 17 career playoff games. When you look at seven catches or more in seven of his last eight playoff games, I mean, the numbers just jump off the page. And when Patrick Mahomes finds himself in a little bit of trouble, we know he's going to force feed Kelsey. So this is one, if you're still able to go over six and a half at modest juice, you're going to have a little bit of opportunity, but minus $1.60, minus $1.70 would kind of be my cutoff. And I don't think there's a massive edge by any stretch, but there are oftentimes in games of this magnitude, well, you're going to see a little bit of value created, you know, an hour or two before kickoff that I'm not running it to step in front of some of these offensive freight trains. I'd rather just stay away from the markets rather than betting them under. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS Sports HQ, and check out his new show, which debuts tonight on the NHL's YouTube page. Um, Todd, great stuff. We'll talk to you Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl, pal. 
Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Best of luck with all of your wagers this weekend. And there's Todd Furman on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. See, Todd gives you information that guys have gone out there and weighed the coin for the Super Bowl, and the tail side is just slightly heavier. Like, we, that's the type of information you get. It's different analysis than what we provided for our picks throughout the course of the year. Yeah. That that was a little bit more and, of analysis. And, and again, with research and I, I've facts. Told, I've told this story uh, before, and I'm going to tell it again, because this is, this is how connected Todd Furman is. <laughs> Last year during our Oscar show on Inside the Lines, Todd goes, I have an absolute lock that's going to happen tonight. Although I can't say it on the radio, I'm going to text you guys what the pick is. It was Jessica Chastain winning the Best Actress at minus 120. And of course. And when they opened the envelope, it was Jessica Chastain. I know she's still a favorite at minus 120, but Todd assured us it's an absolute certainty. He said it's a certainty that she is winning the Oscar. I went down and put $500 on Jessica Chastain. Bingo, bango. Todd had it. Like this is how connected Todd Furman is. He used to be the the head odds maker for Caesar's Palace. You're talking about somebody who's legit in the space and knows all of these things. So follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman. He'll he him and his co-host Pain Insider on Bet the Board. They're the ones who took off the national anthem prop last year because Todd had the information on how long it was going to go. So just follow him on Twitter in case you want to make a bet on the national anthem. The information will leak out eventually much like probably the Gatorade information on who is going to get the Gatorade poured on him, Andy Reid or Nick Sirianni, and what color that Gatorade is. Like, it's just some... That information's out there. It's just yeah. you have to have the right people and pay for that information, too. Well, and I think, like, one of the things that I always come back to is, like, yeah, you have to pay for it. You have to be on the inside. You have to know all these people, and you have to have a little bit of commitment to everything oh. that you believe, too, right? And yeah. I don't know. There's just like sometimes with guests, you have to get topics in order and all that type of stuff sorted out. There was nothing there with Todd, and you just threw whatever, and it was bang. Oh yeah, nonstop. He, yeah, like, he, he just he, he's so dialed. He, you so don't smart. have to. You don't have to. You know, tee up Todd and no. give him a list of topics no. that we're going to do. No. no, and Todd actually played. Uh, he was a goalie at the collegiate level, so he, he knows his he knows his pucks for sure. And we talk a ton of NHL. With Todd Furman. But again, it's, it's just like anything in life. You put the work into it. You do the research. It can be profitable. And I cannot stress this enough. At my Super Bowl party, we've been doing this now for years. Mm-hmm. We do an in-house prop sheet where we have a list of props. Everyone fills it out before the game. We each throw a 20 down. Yep. And winner take all. Yeah, I do that for the Great Cup. Our boy John Bender, who uh, mm. came out to Wild Rose for the uh, beer, league th- beer League event that we had. Uh, he does one of those for the Grey Cup all the time. Was there an over-under on Rouges? <laughs> um, they, uh, honestly, I'm, no, I'm, I don't want to disparage the CFL. You know I love the Canadian football I'm league. going to availability today. and go ask Dave Dickens and, hey, what's the deal? Why isn't Jameer Thurman Really? We're going to with, do some stamp stuff today? What's up with Falera and Lotte? Yeah. I when, when, training camp's still a couple months away, right? You have free agencies a week from today, so they're doing their pre-free agency availability today. Oh, okay. You, it was in the morning report, but that's fine. Don't worry about it. It was? Yep. Um, Dave also said it yesterday on the Eric Francis show. 
Oh, okay. There you go. Well, I was napping. I was napping during the Eric Francis sleep show. Time. Noon? Yeah. Come on now. The Sandman <laughs> was paying me a visit. That's fair. During the Eric Francis show. Um, you have more Big Show, Big Show Extra, XL, Big Show, Big I Show do. Plus, uh, Big Show Hour 4. <laughs> what do you got coming up? We got uh, Mr. Brad Curl, uh, play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitman. Hitman not playing the greatest of right now. They're not playing good. And they head out to Manitoba to play the number one team in the CHL. And then at uh, 930... Brett Clark, president and co-founder of Nitro Rallycross, uh, worked mm, with Travis Pastrana. Oh. They were here this past weekend at GMC Stadium, 20,000 in attendance. So wow. That was pretty awesome to see. So we're going to talk to the president and co-founder of Nitro Rallycross. Uh, you you want to know my extent of Calgary Hitman knowledge? Sure. Number one penalty kill in the dub. Better believe it. Yes, they do. PP's still not the greatest. Good player. for you. Good for you, George. I knew that. Because I actually heard you, I heard the broadcast when I was driving around after my match on Sunday. Listen, um, they're still in a playoff position. They had a pretty good first half of the year, but uh, got to get some things in order right now. They've had a couple of tough losses, but they only visit the CHL's top team for their next two games, the Winnipeg Ice. So what could go wrong, right? And panic laugh. And that uh, that tra- I'm in danger. Yeah, <laughs> Ralph. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, that. Uh, the travel schedule in the dub is absolutely brutal. Ooh, that's a oh, bus yeah. ride well, and a half. Like, especially... Like, how p- long is a bus ride to Winnipeg? 12 hours? 13 oh hours? Oh, my God. Yeah, around there. Wolf. Yeah. Big time wolf. Yeah. The nice thing is that now they don't have to go out to the teams in the Western Conference. Like, they only go to one division, so they do one road trip down to the U.S. division, play all the teams there once, Yep. and then the rest is just all in the East. Which makes sense. And then they don't play in the B.C. division this year. They'll go to B.C. next year. BC comes to them this year, which, like you mentioned, it makes sense to. It's so gigantic. Like, it's crazy. Like you compare it to the OHL or even the Q, yeah. and you're like, "This is nothing." Traveling yeah. the WHL is horrendous. Like, imagine going to Prince George to Winnipeg. Oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> well, I I know even in the OHL, guys would complain like who played in Niagara who would have to go to Sudbury. Yeah, and it'd be like or a five Sioux. six hour drive. <laughs> oh, that's way too long. Like. <laughs> Yeah, go to the dub. Yeah. Where you're 12 hours in a bus to Saskatchewan. So I lived downtown in Calgary when I was calling Okotoks Oilers games in the AJHL, and I'd go on the road with them sometimes, and we'd play up in Camrose or something like that, which is, you know, two hours, two and a half hours up the road. And we would go, I would drive down to Okotoks, get on the bus, drive past Calgary the two and a half hours up to Camrose. The game would end, and then as we would drive back through Calgary, I would look at downtown where my home lived, drive by it to Okotoks, down to my car, and then have to drive back downtown. Oof. Long trips. They couldn't have picked you up in Calgary? That Apparently, the color guy was not enough clout for okay. them to swing through downtown and just pick me up. All right. Uh, that's <laughs> it for us. We've had some fun. Um, it's not that funny, Patrick. Uh, we've had Come some on, fun. <laughs> um, Alex is going to pick the uh, music tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um... We're going to give away another $500, a chance to qualify for another $500 gift card. Guess how long it is of a drive from Prince George to Winnipeg. How long? I said guess. Give me one guess. 19 hours. 21 hours and four oh minutes. God. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> On a Greyhound. Yeah. That's one of those, I'll take two Ambien and I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll see you there. <laughs> All right, uh, Patrick's got more Big Show next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.